Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. The things of God to me are the most exciting, the most um, life-altering, the place that I could I could talk about God's stuff forever, but basically because it comes out of relationship, because God's not a theory to us, right? He's not a belief system to us. He's not a... a a way that we can just find escape for our minds. He is the living God who we get to know and walk with, engage. He is the light of the world and he's invited us into relationship with him. We're headed into the Easter season already, which is amazing. Easter's early this year and preparing ourselves just for the celebration of what it means to walk with God, what the price was that he paid for us so that we could have that relationship so that we could be free and preparing ourselves to share with people who don't know what the hope is that we have on the inside of us. And so we're going to pick up just a little bit more with some of the, the stuff that we've been talking about living in the light. As we've been walking through this this year, what does it mean to live in the lights? It's become a phrase that we're walking in and, and talking about and leaning into and studying. But for some who might not be, you've been with us the last while, let me just give you a couple quick scripture references. John 1, 1 to 5 is one of the most basic starting points of our understanding of Jesus, not just as a man, and not just as somebody sent by God, but God himself. He is God. When he came to the earth, fully God, fully man. And it says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. John 8, 12, then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And John 12, 44 to 46, Jesus cried out and said, he who believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who believes, uh, he who sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. So when we're talking about the light, when we're talking about living in the light, we're not talking about a sensory thing. We're not talking about, you know, physical light versus darkness. We're talking about living in Christ. We're talking about living in relationship with him and a state that we should be in that's completely different than when we're bumbling around without hope, without a, a sense of purpose, without a, a sense of forgiveness, without a sense of grace. When we're bumbling around just trying to sort out what life's about, that is darkness. When we're lost in sin and we're separated from God, that is darkness. But when we step into the light, we step into relationship with Jesus. And the relationship that we step into, this is the beginning point. This is the, the, the beginning of a lifelong journey that we have while we're here on this earth and into eternity. And so when we, when we study the light, when we study the fact that the light is Jesus, we know that basically the word tells us that we just have to receive. Like there's a starting point that we receive, but then it goes on and it says that we, we actually have to engage. And so we want to talk about that a little bit today. Again, John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. The word comprehend is the Greek word katalambano, which means to take eagerly, to seize or to possess. 
So it says when the light shines in the darkness, the darkness doesn't possess it. However, we do. We're supposed to actually lay hold of it, take hold of him, possess him. We're supposed to, this is now part of my life, something I step into. It says in John 8, 12, like we just read, John spoke to the, Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. So we lay hold, we seize, we comprehend him, and we do not walk in darkness. So that doesn't just mean we don't walk in darkness because it's not dark. It means that we choose. Now we're not walking in darkness. It changes the way I walk. It means that there's something about when I'm receiving Jesus, when I'm receiving the light of the world, it changes the way I walk out my life. Does that make sense? So we're talking about a full life change that happens. We are not to abide in darkness. So again, John 12, 46, I have come as light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Abiding means to cling on to, to be twisted together with. So when we come to Jesus, we're not just like, yeah, that seems like a good, reasonable religion that I can agree with. We're saying we are supposed to seize him we're supposed to like grab onto him. We're supposed to walk out of the darkness and into the light. And we are supposed to abide with him, live with him, be twisted and wound together with him. We are going to be completely different people if we choose to live in the light. We choose that this is not just something that I believe, but this is now somebody that I am. And that changes everything. Living in the light means I am different. I, I am living in a different way. And I want to push this just a little bit today because I feel like sometimes the enemy of our soul comes and he lies to us and he's like, no, you're still struggling. You still have difficult thoughts. You still have anger issues. You still have unforgiveness issues. You still have, you still have problems with this. You're still struggling with that. You haven't had an answer for that. And the lies come and it's like it, the, the bait is to think that we are living in the darkness, but we actually are living in the light and we recognize the attempts of darkness to squeeze in on us, and we are intended to shine the light, to actually step into that place of living in the light. And so uh, one of the pictures that I kind of have been leaning into, we've got it in our logo. Do we have the Living in the Light logo available? Might not be up there. If it is, we'll pop it up. There we go. So we've been kind of looking at this lighthouse thing since last September, living in the light. And one of the interesting things, I've, I've been to a few lighthouses in the last little bit, and in lots of cases, they originally anyway, have like living quarters in them. Somebody lived in the lighthouse to make sure that the fire was continuously burning, that they didn't go out. Somebody was trimming wicks, somebody was filling oil, somebody was living in that lighthouse for a purpose. And it wasn't just so that they could be like, oh, look, I have light. It was so I can shine the light so you can see it. A lighthouse doesn't really serve any purpose unless it's, I mean, a lighthouse in Saskatchewan, lighthouses need to be in the right place where they're needed, right? And so lighthouses tend to be built on stormy seafronts where it gets dark and the waves get high and people are lost at sea and they are looking for a lighthouse. They're looking for a beacon that will show them where to go and where to, where to turn for help. And so when we talk about living in the light, this is the kind of thing that God is calling us into, not just that, oh, gee, I don't know if I have light. If you have come to Christ, you have light. 
but you're intended to live in the light because there's a whole mess around you that needs to see what the light is and where it is, where hope is found, where life is found. And so a few weeks ago, we were in Mazatlan, actually in Mexico, and there's a lighthouse there that has this really exotic name. Can we just put the first picture up, please, so they can sort of see it way up there. It's the second highest one in the world, apparently, and it's called El Faro. I'm not even kidding, you guys, which actually means the lighthouse. It's like not even excited. That's all. <laughs> but it's this lighthouse. It's got, you know, a lot of promo for it, a lot of, lot of stuff that they talk about. And people come from all over the place and they actually, you can climb 336 steps up to see the thing uh, once you go up the, the main path. And it's, you know, pretty intense. But it literally is El Faro. And so El Faro is on Creston Island. I'm going to give you a little bit of info here. And it started off actually being a lighthouse in 1823. So, or sorry, 1828. And it was oil lamps that were lit on the top of it that were fueled by whale blubber. I know, so exciting, right? And when they ran out of whale blubber, they used coconut chips. So that's... So that sounds very exciting. I instantly have the snackies. So, <laughs> so somebody regularly would go up and would light these oil lamps with their whale blubber and whatever whale oil and just try and keep a flame going because you can see the base of this island is a little out there. Like it rises up. If you were looking in a dark sky, a dark stormy night, and you by the, what you saw was the center of this thing, you would be well onto bumping into land at that point, right? And so they they had, like, we're having too many crashes. There's too much lost at sea for us to not shine a light. Just catch that in your spirit. There was too much lost at sea for them to not shine a light. So they didn't have a lot of great equipment. They didn't have a lot of, of options for technology at this point, 1828. You know, they're using what they have to shine a light and make sure that people are not lost at sea, that people are not crashing into things, that people are not drowning unnecessarily. They're looking at what's going on around them and they're providing with what they have this light source that people can reach for. So then in 19 or 1879, there was this... They were like, we're going to upgrade. So they invested, the community invested, and they ordered in this custom-made lamp from Paris. Big deal, actually, to have something like that shipped in the 1800s, right? So they bring in this beautiful lamp, and it's much better than the, the like, still an oil lamp, but it's much better and much bigger than the previous lamps that they were lighting, and it had mirrors around it, so it was shining brighter, and it was, it was better, and it worked a little bit better, and it was worth the investment until ships started crashing into the base of the island again because they had miscalculated in stormy seas, and because it was still, it was just a light that was shining, they thought it was a star. And so in their miscalculations, they thought it was something that it wasn't. It was just, it was shining, but it was just still. And so they, they mis-evaluated what it was that they were looking at and miscalculated. And so they come along in time and they're like, what are we going to do about this? And so they changed it in 1905 to a rotating lamp. And this is when they built this particular framework for it. And suddenly the light starts to move. And when the light starts to move, the people who are at lost at sea can see that there's something worth looking at 
that's where help is. I can see the stars. I could see other secondary lights, but they're not going to help me. The light that's moving is going to help me. Some of you are tracking with me already on this one. So the light starts to move. They move it in 1920. They change it to an electrical, or sorry, they change it to a three-wick hydrogen lamp. So it's brighter still. In the 1933, they changed it to electrical light, made modern again in 2021. And can we just see the other picture there, Garion? So now this, this is the most recent upgrade in 2021. It can actually, it moves, it rotates. It's a thousand watt lamp that reaches 55 kilometers in constant movement. And people are able to find safety in the middle of a storm. It's this light thing. But not only that, not only has it saved lives and it's been a, an actual lifesaver out there, people are coming to see the light. People pay their travel dollars and they book trips and, and, and tours and whatever to come and see the light. People are coming. And so it's bearing fruit that's giving back to the community even because people are spending their money to see this light that somebody, you know, years and years and years and years ago decided to just start lighting a lamp and try and help. And so we want to ask ourselves, how is our fire doing? It's one thing to say, I live in the light. Jesus is the light. I know him. He lives in me. I live in him. It's good. But are we in that kind of mindset that looks outside, not just, not just me. I've got the light. Boy, it's so good. I've got the light. I have the light. But looks outside and goes, but they don't, and they don't, and they don't, and that's broken, and that's damaged, and this is stormy. What can I do to shine the light? What can I do to stoke the fire? What can I do to increase? I love that this community, I mean, honestly, we're in a completely different period of time and history and how people would navigate the seas and, and things like that. But the fact that over, you know, decade after decade after decade, there's continuous upgrades because we can do better. There's more. We can reach further. We can extend. We can go beyond. At what point does our vision to live in the light end? At what point are we satisfied that we've done enough? Because there's opportunity to grow. So let's just look at, at a couple questions. Number one, is your fire burning? Is it burning at all? Like the original fires on the hill, somebody had to decide to light the fire. Somebody had to actually get the whale oil and light a fire and do that every night and keep it trimmed and, and do that thing. Well, basically, it's a simple process of are you born again? Do you know Jesus? Because if you do, you have the potential for light. Like light has been made available to you and it lives in you, but you can cloak it, you can hide it, but light is him, light is Jesus. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. John 8, 12, again, then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And Ephesians 5 eight, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. So we know from Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, those are the first two steps. Do I have light at all? Well, have you received Jesus as your savior? Do you believe that he is who he says he is? 
Have you received the gift that he offered to you? Do you confess it with your mouth? And then walking this out, he who, if I am the light of the world, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness. Are you ready to follow him? Ephesians 5, 8, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. So basically, do I even have light is, is this. Do I believe? Do I confess? Am I walking with him? Am I following him? If so, you have light. Now, it's interesting to me that Jesus actually had to address this kind of thing because he, he talked about people who are hiding their lights and it, like this shouldn't be. We, we sometimes don't always know what we have until we pause and we, we look at it. You know, when you, you uh, are in crisis, suddenly you're faced with the reality of what you have or what you don't have. Like literally, when crisis hits, do you think to pray? And most of us, if not all of us, would say we do. And if we do, is it because we know him? We believe in him. We actually, when, when, when we get squeezed, we find out, yep, there's some light in there. I know Jesus. But we would want us to, to step into the place where we're more aware of him than anything else. He's more real to us than anything else. That literally, when I wake up in the morning, thank you, Jesus, you're with me. Thank you, God, you are with me. I thank you that I'm never, ever, ever alone. So then we ask, number two, is your fire exposed? So the, the light that, this lighthouse I was just talking about, this special light, this fancy light that they brought in from Paris, they were like, we've, we're putting the effort and we got the light. We know it could help, but it's not getting far enough. I don't know how to, I don't know how to put it out there. I, we, we, we can only do so much ourselves. We need more. We need to, we need to get serious about this. So they order in this special lamp and the extra mirrors that are reflecting the light. And really that's what we are. We're reflectors of the light. He's the light that we carry. And so they position these mirrors around to reflect even brighter. They, if it was us, if we're the, that, that light that's going out, Jesus is the light source. We're the mirrors that are reflecting him. And the more we're willing to reflect him, the more people can experience Jesus. The more the encounter is there. Matthew 5, 14 to 16, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It means not only does God expect us to come into relationship with him and invite us to come into relationship with him, but then he anticipates that we're going to have a little bit of a, ooh, this is scary. And the instruction is there you're intended to live on a hill. You're intended to live out loud. I don't want to be, I mean, can you imagine you, you meet this person, this is the spouse of your dreams. This is the, the man or the woman. This is the person that I, I, I mean, man, ever since I met them, everything has changed. I just feel so joyful and so happy. This is the person I know I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. And you don't want them to meet anybody. Like how long before they're like, this is so weird. We, we, we should want to share the best thing we've ever found with everybody who will listen. We should want to celebrate. We should want to live in the light. But, but there is a temptation because there's a fear of men that wants to rise up. 
And there's a fear of what are people going to think? And there's a fear of what, 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 what if people think we're crazy? Can you imagine this small Mexican town deciding to pool their money and order in some big fancy lamp from Paris? I'm sure people thought it was crazy. But how many lives did it save? How many people were rescued because some people were like, we're going to shine this as bright as possible. Jesus is telling us we have to decide to do this kind of thing. We have to decide to be on a hill. We have to decide to actually live out loud. James tells us that faith without works is dead. It's one of the ways that we express Jesus in us is that we do the things that he tells us to do, that we walk as somebody who knows Jesus. It's going to begin to change everything about us. It's going to change how we speak. It's going to change how we spend. It's going to change how we spend our time. It's going to change what we look at. It's going to change what we're willing to take in. But it's really going to change who we can impact with love, joy, peace, hope, mercy, kindness, goodness. It's, it's going to change how we are experienced by the world around us because we're just reflecting the light. Everywhere we go, we're shining the light and we're conscious of it that we're not hiding it. I believe this is one of the most uh, tricky things that has happened in our culture in, in the recent shift. You know, again, we've talked about this before, but so many different cultures and so many different religions and so much verbalized belief system has become out there that sadly, the Canadian church is one of the quietest groups on the matter of God that there is. We've been so scared to offend people by shoving Jesus down their throats that we just don't say anything. You know, if Jesus is really the best thing you've ever experienced, if he's really the best part of your life, if you're as free as he says you are, if you're living in that place of forgiveness and joy, if you actually believe that who the son makes free is free indeed, then really, why are we holding it back? Why, why are we worried about what we actually have an answer? It's like standing on that hilltop and seeing ships out there that are lost at sea. And we're like, well, maybe they're waiting for another, like maybe they've called the Coast Guard. So I don't want to, I don't want to interfere in whatever they got going on, you know? No, shine the light. Shine the light. Maybe this is the time for them to come to port and actually get some help. Maybe this is the time to experience Jesus, right? Okay, number three, is your fire active? Number one, is your fire burning? Number two, is your fire exposed? And number three, is your fire active? Are we actually doing something about our walk with God? Are we actually living in the light? So again, this lighthouse, the problem was it was shining bright. It was saving some lives, but not all of them because it was appearing to be like a star. It was appearing to be like a secondary light. If the church is not moving in the things of God, then all spiritual things look the same. If the church is not moving, then all spiritual things look the same. All religions of the world offer some sense of belonging, some sense of hope in a higher power, some sense of solace in prayer or meditation, some sense of a form of, of power that seems to, to, to activate. But the church of the living God carries the power of the living God. And you will receive power to be witnesses to me. 
You will, you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You will cast out demons. You will speak in other tongues. The things that we are called to do are going and doing kind of things. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, carrying him, modeling him, teaching him, introducing people to him, and seeing the signs and wonders and miracles that follow the preaching of the word. We are intended to actually move. And so if we're back at stage one, I don't know if I have a light. Or two, I don't know if I want to be exposed in the light. And three, I don't know if I actually want to do anything. Picture the lighthouse on the mountaintop where ships are going down because they don't know where help is. How dare we be so selfish to keep the best thing in the whole universe to ourselves because we don't want to be embarrassed. So are we moving? Are we doing anything? Matthew 16, 24 and 25, then he said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So the four words that that are right in that verse, this is Jesus talking. If you're looking in your Bible, you know, paper Bible in red, it's one of the reasons I still like the hard copy, get to see the in red. If anyone desires to come after me, desire is first. Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. So these are the four things. If we want to move, if we're going to be that kind of light that's not just reflecting, but we're actually moving in the things of God, we are doing that. We desire him. We deny ourselves. We take up our cross and we follow him. It's a good self-evaluation and asking the Lord, like, where am I at on this, God? Have, have I decided to actually desire you? Is, are you what I want? Or do I just want life to be easier? See, sometimes we turn to God because we just want help, but he wants us. It's more than just help. Help is the byproduct. The relationship is what he offers us. So am I desiring him? Am I ready to deny myself? That doesn't sound very fancy or fun because the flesh screams loudly, right? Oh man, this is what I need. This is what I want. This is what I feel. These things that that are me-centered. Jesus says, you got to deny yourself. It's not really about what you want when you come to me, but you're coming into something better. So he says, desire me, deny yourself, take up your cross daily. And we've all, I mean, maybe not all of us, but most of us have like a cross necklace or, you know, some, some form of jewelry. And we wear it as a, as a symbol honoring Jesus who died for us. And it it means something hopeful for us. We have an empty cross. We don't have Jesus on the cross. We have an empty cross because he paid the price for us. And it's beautiful to us. But when Jesus was saying that, like Jesus said it, it was at the time when they're literally crucifying people right there, like up and down streets, on Golgotha, around, like this was the, the death of the day. There was nothing beautiful about it. Jesus was literally saying, if you want to follow me, you got to die daily. Not just on Sunday, not just when you're in a hard spot. It's like every day saying, you know what? I'm putting my flesh under and I'm going after what you've got for me. That's not maybe the happiest sounding truth, but for those of us who are living in it, it's freedom. 
my choices, my wants, my desires really long-term don't bear good fruit. They honestly don't leave me in great places, but his plan for me is always good. I can trust him because he's come to give me a hope and a future. I can trust him because his plans for me are good. I can trust him because Jesus said, I've come that you would have life and life abundantly or overflowing to the full. If I want to live the good life, then I decide to do this. I desire him more than anything else. I deny myself. I choose to die daily to my own stuff and I follow him. I mean, that can sound like, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna follow Jesus. What if you treat it like the ultimate adventure? What if it's like this morning, Lord, I'm laying down whatever I had planned, my will, my stuff, my, my issues, I'm following you. What do you got planned? What's the adventure today? Who's the assignment today? What do we get to do today? What's on your heart today? And it is always going to be something that because he is life and love, it's going to be full of life and full of love. It's absolutely going to be the life you could never imagine, but we choose to do this. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Number four, is your fire growing? So is your fire burning at all? Is your fire exposed? Can it be seen? Is your fire active? Are you moving with God? And is it growing? We never actually hit the point on this side of eternity where we're done growing. We actually always have things to learn and there's always more to explore. There's always more of God that we're meant to walk into. And it's a choice to do that. And so when we look at this, again, this lighthouse, they, you know, they moved from this oil stuff. They moved into the place where they had a reflectors and the, the light was a little bit brighter. They moved to a moving light. So it was actually doing stuff. And then they moved to electric light that was sustainable and it was brighter than they'd been able to experience before by other means. So are we actually adding, like, are we looking for places where there can be more? Ephesians, or sorry, Hebrews 5, 12 to 14 says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you've come to need milk and not solid food. You've come to need. Isn't that interesting? It's like the, the appetite for the better stuff stopped and you just need milk now. We're back to baby food. You've come to need milk and not solid food for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. It means that there's actually movement, that there's a growing, that there's a developing that happens here. And so this is what, what we see when we, we see this electric light, they added electricity, and then they get to this massive bright light that is seen for, for miles and miles and miles out to sea. Are we pushing past the basic things? Some of the basic things that we read about are, are things like the resurrection, things like forgiveness, like ba- basic things. But there are times when we can, we can walk with God and if we're not actively choosing to pursue or exercise the things of the Spirit, we stay in those beginner phases and you can, you can talk to people, maybe, maybe you've experienced this, 
You've known Jesus for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and you're, you find yourself bumping up against, you know, does he even hear me when I pray? Am I actually saved? What if there's not really a heaven? What if I don't go to heaven when I die? What if God's not actually good? It's because when you stay in an atrophied state too long, things start to shrivel up and we're back to what should be the very beginning questions that we settle and move on from. And so this, this word tells us that by reason of use, our senses are exercised. And so when you've got a little one who you're, you know, you're getting them off of milk and pablum and they get to start trying food, isn't it fun as a parent? You just like can't wait to give them ice cream. Or like the good stuff, right? You're like, oh man, I can't. I mean, I'm always checking like how many more months before we can try this? How many? Apparently there's like a flow chart or something of what's appropriate at what times, but there's certain things that you just can't wait for your kid to get to try because it's so good. God's like that. He's like, I got stuff for you. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. There, there, is, there is treasures of my wealth, my wisdom, what I want to show you that's there for you. But if you stay stuck on the baby food, you're never going to get to experience it. Some of us are like, I don't really like reading the Bible. Romans 10, 17, faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word of God. Get over it. If you want to be on baby food for the rest of your human life, you can. It doesn't mean you're not saved, but it does mean you're not going to get to have the good stuff. It does mean you're not going to experience the fullness of what God's got for you, the brighter, the bigger, the further, the more of God is found in knowing him, in training your senses to discern him. And one of the senses is hearing and knowing the word of God. Find a translation that works for you and get in it. Read the book of John on repeat until you're, you're well settled with it. If that's where it's, it's a good fit for you, pick a translation that you can understand. If you've got a Bible app, you know, start with the New Living Translation, NIV, something like that, whatever looks good to you. New King James is what we usually preach from here. But whichever, get into the Word and find out who Jesus is. I like recommending the book of John because John is this story written by the disciple, like through his perspective, the one who Jesus loves. And so from his loving perspective, he just tells a story of Jesus. And when you read who Jesus is and you experience his nature and his heart and you feel who God really is, you just want more of him. I understand that because we have been raised up in a society that appeals to our natural senses, sometimes getting into the Word can be a harder thing. But it's sort of like the really good things that we actually tangibly eat. Most of the stuff that is exotic or wonderful is an acquired taste. Most really wonderful things, the first couple times you taste it, you're like, I'm not sure, that's a different texture or whatever, and then you become like, wow, this is so good. We want to develop a taste for the word. And so get into those places. We also want to actually move out on those things that God tells us to do. So when we learn through reason of use, we, we get into the word, we understand what his nature is, what his character is like, then we begin to be able to hear his voice a little bit easier. When we have the thought that pops into our heart and it's just like, whoa, is that God? Does it sound like him? If it sounds like him, it's probably him. 
because you've, you've got to know his nature. When you have that sense of who he is and he tells you to do something, it's easier to step out on that. And so one of the examples, Hebrews 11, 8, is talking about Abraham. And Abraham developed a relationship with God. He becomes somebody who's like a friend of God, somebody who God talks with. But from the beginning, it's not like that. It's a lot more stiff. It's a lot more awkward. But it gets to the point that Hebrews eleven eight it says, By faith, Abraham obeyed God when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. Can you imagine? Honey, I rented the U-Haul. Pack everything up. We're leaving on Saturday. I made sure we got the notice to the landlords. We've cut off the utilities Sunday morning. So pack the kids up. We're heading out. Where are we going? Don't know. Okay. Why are we going? God told us. Okay. I mean, most of us have never had that experience, but this is Abraham. This is literally what God told him to do. Like pack everything up and go somewhere that you don't know nothing about because I'm taking you into an inheritance. God probably is not going to start with pack up all your stuff and go to the other side of the world, but he might say, stand up and go sit at that table over there because the person who's coming in needs you to just smile at them, be kind to them. He might tell you, you know what, actually that person that you just walked past, they really need you to invest in them. Go back with a 20, shake their hand, bless them with it, move on. That person that you just walked past in the cafeteria that looks so down, you need to just go over there and ask if you can pray for them. See, he's probably not going to tell you to U-Haul your whole house. It's going to start with the little instructions. Serve here. Love there. Bless here. Honor here. Obey here. Walk away from that here. And through reason of use, our senses will be trained so that when the big things come, we're like, yes, God. I am all in because you are nothing but good. We have to ask ourselves, are we actually growing in that? Are we developing into these deeper things or are we staying on baby food? Are we still needing somebody else to tell us what God has said? And if you have been saved for less than three years, that's exactly where you should be. This is what I think God is saying. You talk to an older believer, does that make sense? Does that sound right? Absolutely. This is how we learn, just like we do with children. We learn things and we test them out. We test our boundaries. We test out if we're seeing things correctly, if we're perceiving rightly. But we get to the place where it has to shift and we have to get where we know what God's telling us. We're walking in that deeper relationship with him. We're obedient to him and we move past the fear of man where we don't stop because what are people going to think? It matters what God says. There's this phrase that has been attributed to everybody. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I don't know who said it first, but it's a good one. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. If God's saying something to you, it's something that lines up with the word and you believe it to be true, that settles it. The end. Move on it. Walk on it do the thing. God says it. I believe it. I have to decide that I believe it. Abraham decided by faith to believe God, to take him at his word and to step out of that place. He stepped out and did the impossible. And it was the kind of thing that led him to the point where he actually could could experience a miracle of children. He could experience the, the 
possible sacrifice of a child, the outflowing of the more of enough that God had promised him. It was a developing relationship. And we get to have these little windows we, you know, we can hear these miracle stories of somebody did something amazing and God sent them here and they saw all these things. It will start with, can you buy that person a coffee? Like legit, the little things are the training ground for the bigger things. Develop our senses, get to know his voice, get to know his nature, get to know his character, decide I will be a meat eater. Go Alberta beef. <laughs> I mean, it's in the word. You should be eating meat by now. You should be eating solid food, but you're eating baby food. We want to decide to be those who can handle the deeper things of God. Number five, we're wrapping up with this. Is your fire producing? Is your fire producing? And so again, this this lighthouse, not only is it saving lives and it's shining bright and it's moving and it's this ongoing thing, but people are coming to the light. It's producing an income and an industry for that community because people want to see the light. They are interested in what that light is about. They're interested in how that light came to be. It's a producing of something that's bearing fruit that's benefiting others. Is my life producing fruit? Is my life producing fruit? Again, sometimes the temptation is to look inside and like, what am I getting? Somebody else is producing fruit. Did I get a piece of that? Can I have a bite of your fruit? Can I taste from your fruit? But what's my life producing? What's coming out of me? Further on in the same passage from Abraham in Hebrews eleven eleven, it says, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. When Sarah first was told that she was going to have a child well past the age, she laughed. And God said, why did Sarah laugh? And she said, I didn't laugh. And he said, yeah, you did. I heard you. <laughs> why did she laugh? She was, she was like, this is impossible. But somewhere along the line, she went from laughing to deciding that he's faithful who promised. Somewhere along the line, something was developed in her. Something grew in her. Her senses were trained to believe that he is good, that he's faithful to his word. And when she got to that point that I can trust him, I believe him, I am moving in him, I'm going to do what God tells me to do. I'm going to expect that he is faithful to his word. Product came out of her life. There was fruitfulness that came out of her life, which is incredible. John 15, 5, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And abiding, again, means to be intertwined with me. The Message Bible says, when you're joined with me and I with you, the re uh, relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. The harvest is sure to be abundant. Sarah received strength to conceive when she decided, when she decided to believe that God is faithful. It's a mature position to take. It's a developed position to take. And we know God is faithful because of all the other little times he's been faithful along the way. Based on his nature, based on his character, based on his track record, I can decide he's faithful and I can bear fruit. I can produce 
out of what he pours out through me because I know it's him and all him. So this morning, as we, as we wrap up, I'm going to have the worship team come. And I want to just pray over us as we consider these things. I believe as we move into this Easter season, God is heavily drawing on hearts to come to know him. That the hope of Jesus Christ should be so obvious and so easy to find that when people hit that wall of brokenness, of emptiness, of loneliness, of loss, they know where to run. But we have to be ready. And maybe this morning you're actually one of those people and you, you haven't known him. You haven't come into relationship with Jesus. You're like, I'm at point one. That's where I am today. Then today that's a great spot to be in. And today's a good day to start that walk with him. And if that is you, as we, as we close today, I'm going to invite you to just come forward. And Pastor George is going to be over here by the cross. And while we're singing, come on up. And we're going to pray with you here and introduce you to Jesus and get number one taken care of. But any of these other points along the way, um, is my fire exposed? Am I actually being bold about my walk with God? You know, work that through with the Lord. God, I, I want to actually live out loud for you. I want people to know that you are the joy that is within me. You are the hope that I carry. I actually am deciding to live out loud. Is my fire active? Am I ready to give up my wish list and decide every day, I'm going to die to me and live to you. Take up my cross and follow you. Live in that place. I'm going to choose to actually be active in this relationship with you. I'm going to be determined to grow. I'm not going to allow myself to be stagnant. I'm not going to go back to baby food. I'm not going to be in a place where things are just as they exactly were, you know, three years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. I am going to grow up. I'm going to decide to allow my senses to be, to be uh, developed. I'm going to decide to be mature in you. I'm going to go after what it takes to get there. And I'm going to decide to bear fruit. I'm going to decide that I'm going to be so entwined with you that it's obvious that there's fruit coming out of my life. And when the fruit comes out, you get the glory. You get the glory. Let's stand together this morning. And again, I want to invite you, if at any time, just as we sing this clothing so closing song, you want to come up for prayer, come kneel at the front, do that. Let's, let's make sure that we're in a place where we are actively living in the light in a way that reflects Him well. Lord, today we thank you for your presence with us. We thank you, God, that you are the light of life. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the light of the world. And we thank you that when we come to know you, we get to experience that light on the inside. And we walk and talk and live as your representatives. We walk with you. We get to know you. You are in every day with us. You're in every hour. You're in every minute. And Lord, today, if we've been lazy, afraid, cautious, fearful, neglectful. God, if in any way we have settled for less than your best for us, we ask your forgiveness this morning. And Lord, we thank you for poking our hearts and reminding us 
that you have come that we would be free indeed and that we would walk in life abundantly. We thank you for the more of heaven that is meant to be lived through our lives and experienced. God, we thank you for inviting us to be the city on a hill that shines brightly, that changes atmospheres, that changes the environment around us, that provides hope and a lifeline. God, because you are that light, you are the answer. God, today we thank you for stirring us up to expect more. I pray, Lord, for those who are have been struggling even with getting in the word. I pray for a hunger for your word that is just like an insatiable craving. I pray that supernaturally you would give us all an appetite for your word, that we would taste and see that you are good, that we would desire to be in your word, that we would desire to be in prayer, that we would desire to walk in worship. God, that we would desire the relationship. God, supernaturally even help us as we give you our yes today. We ask that you would ignite us for the more in in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for helping us to grow in you. I thank you for raising a, a community of warriors in you, Lord, who see uh, kingdom purposes and walk them out with great joy. Lord, I speak blessing over this assembly today and over every assignment you've given us for this day and this week. Lord, may we be the lighthouse that you intend for us to be. May we live in the light walk in the light, shine the light, God. May we be the ones who get to see many come to you. And we give you the praise for it in advance, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at Victory Church GP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.victorygp.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.